So I am here today with Gaetan. Uh, Gaetan, you've had quite a journey uh, through uh, career-wise, through all your different businesses. You've built over six different companies and we could say one and a half nonprofit organizations. So my first question would be just to get a little recap of all those different companies, uh, what they are mm. and how they came about. If you could just give a little description on each yeah. one of them, that would be awesome. Okay. Well, my first career was as a military engineer. I spent 20 years with the uh, Canadian Forces, ending that, that stretch with uh, a tour as a, a Blue Beret, as a UN peacekeeper in a war zone. I spent 14 months in the former Yugoslavia, mainly mm -hmm. in Sarajevo. After that, I entered public service. I served uh, another 20 years almost as um, uh, in various positions, including city manager. And I was also the uh, chief planner for Metro Vancouver. And then is uh, after all that is when I started to go into the business world and, uh, and form some companies. Uh, the uh, first uh, company I formed is the one that's uh, here, uh, City State. It was an urban planning uh, consulting firm. Uh, I wanted to do what I knew how to do. I was an urban planner. I also uh, have a bachelor's degree in architecture. And in the military, I was a military engineer. So engineering, architecture, and urban planning are all about construction and right. urban development, about growth. So the, uh, the first company was kind of a natural evolution from what I had done, what I was highly familiar with, which is to help people uh, how to uh, develop uh, buildings, how to develop properties, and knowing what happens when you make an application, knowing what happens on the other side of the counter. I was very familiar and in a really good position to be able to advise people on how to design their buildings, how to uh, organize their project so that uh, mm -hmm. when you bring it to a city, it would get approved. I also had a really good relationship with councils in various municipalities. I knew mayors and councillors from most Metro Vancouver municipalities, so I was able to um, advise my clients on the needs of a community, uh, what resonates more with certain cities. Port Moody, for example, is known as the city of the arts. Mm -hmm. So if you don't talk about arts in your uh, proposal, uh, you're not going to be as successful. Where if you're in Langley, Langley is heavily influenced by the uh, agricultural land reserve and the interface between urban growth and uh, agricultural land. So in Langley, you have to talk about uh, the, um, the, the impact of your projects on, on agriculture. So I think I, I really um, chose a business that uh, I, I was very familiar with and felt very uh, well prepared to, uh, to enter. Mm -hmm. um, and I made it quite a success, actually. Um, I'm uh, at, the, at the end of a transition period right now. I spent the last two years uh, in a succession plan, very well organized succession plan to 
pass the reins, the leadership of this business to my daughter, uh, Carola, hmm. who is making it um, more successful than I was able to make it. So uh, I think that that's, that's very much the evolution that I went through. Um, I don't know how much time you have for me to talk about the other businesses, but they are somewhat less related to what, what I was familiar with. Yeah. I see, I see. And as CEO of multiple companies, what does your day-to-day -day look like? How do you manage tasks and use your time effectively in this busy work schedule? Yeah, well, I think... Um, I, I was I was very much used uh, in throughout my career. Uh, I had the uh, I was well known for outworking everybody else. Success uh, has to do with work. Uh, it has to do with uh, being action oriented and knowing what to do next and being focused enough to get up early in the morning and come to the office and do what needs to be done and then uh, follow through with the next steps right up to the, uh, the end of the day and, and be the one who is going to be uh, staying late mm -hmm. and, and uh, completing the work uh, that needs to be done. That does not mean doing everything by yourself. You can't right. be successful in business doing everything by yourself. You have to delegate. But if people around you see you as a role model, as the person who works hard every single day, who's focused on the next action to be taken, then that kind of uh, resonates in the organization and people start to model the behavior of the person who's, uh, who's uh, in a leadership role. If that person doesn't show up for work, uh, if that person takes uh, executive lunches uh, from 11.30 until uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, you're not setting the model that you need right. to set. You create an organization that's going to be a little bit uh, apathetic and uh, not as successful. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the word success a few times there. Yeah. How would you define success? Um, huh. Success is, to me, because, because I've, been, I've been building uh, throughout my career. When I was in the military, I built things like um, uh, taxiways, airfield, uh, airfield runways, uh, aircraft hangars. Uh, when I was in the field uh, in Yugoslavia, we built uh, emergency bridges, like equipment bridges that uh, mm -hmm. would be built overnight using systems, uh, military system for building. We, uh, in Sarajevo, we wanted to make life easier for people uh, who were probably very in very similar conditions to, as to what Ukrainians are suffering right now. Mm -hmm. There's no power, uh, access to water is difficult, they have to walk miles. When, uh, when you're in those situations, basically communities get pushed back to the dark ages. They, everything is difficult, no power, no gas, no difficulty to get everything. So we built uh, water purification systems, we built all kinds of things. Um, I moved to uh, work for municipalities. I started to build recreation centers. Mm. And I, I think there's no greater sense of accomplishment than 
looking over your shoulder as you walk away from the facility and you see families enjoying the building that you just completed a year before. You see kids playing in the skateboard yeah. park that you built. You see uh, people moving into a building like here. This mm -hmm. floor that we're in was vacant for 14 years. So I came wow. in and I had um, I had a meeting with the owner, I had a vision for what it would become, and we tore everything down and rebuilt this office. And now I come here every day and I say to myself, geez, there's 50 people working here. Yeah. Uh, and, and that gives you such a sense of accomplishment. That's what success is for me personally, mm -hmm. is looking at something that's, that's been you know, created. Uh, either right. a building or a facility or a playground or uh, anything and 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 saying I was part of doing this you know it's amazing yeah, for sure uh, um, usually when people try to start a business or some company there has to be a problem they solve in order for the business to be successful for any one of your businesses could you think about a problem that was there and that you tried to solve and that's how yeah. you got one of your business out of well, Massive Canada is a mass timber company and what we're about is basically we're the first company that's going to be combining uh, mass timber, which is very uh, sturdy wood panels, okay. with prefabrication. The problem we're trying to solve and the problem we are resolving is the fact that construction is uh, chaotic and construction, even though I spent 40 years in, in construction, uh, construction is uh, very disorganized. You have millions of pieces that are brought to a site and, and people wait after each other. The various trades work sequentially, one after the other, instead of working all together. Buildings take two years to build. And in a country like Sweden, uh, where 80% of the buildings are prefabricated they put up a six-story building in four months they put wow. up a 12-story building in six months so and and here it takes two sometimes right. three years yeah. to do the same thing so massive canada is going to accelerate the pace of construction it's going to simplify it by prefabrication we're going to be building housing on an assembly line bringing it to the site and uh, a site uh, like a townhouse development we're going to show up with three trucks in the morning uh, put the ground floor take it off the truck and put it there and it's uh, load bearing so put the second floor where the living room and kitchen and so on is mm -hmm. put the third floor with the bedrooms and and the roof on and by lunchtime we finished building a townhouse so um, that's crazy. Yeah, it, it is. It is uh, taking a system that's not moved. The productivity in construction has risen by one percent in the last seventy-five years. When you do a renovation like we did here, this building was built a hundred years ago, exactly the same way as we build a stick frame building today. It's it's the same thing, two by four bottom plate studs, etc. We're going to be doing this on an assembly line uh, in, you know, many times faster than what you can build and a lot of machines involved to 
build it faster. Uh, Canada is, that's the other big problem. Um, CMHC did a study, they said we need three and a half million new dwellings for families in uh, by 2030. Oh wow. At three and a half million. At the pace of today's construction, we're barely going to be able to build two million. There's a trade shortage, there's, there's not enough, uh, and it <coughs> takes too long, it takes two, three years to build mm -hmm. a building. So we're going to be, that's a, that's a huge problem. And that problem is having an impact on, on people like you, young people, who when an apartment comes available for rent, there's a hundred people line up oh, yeah. to outbid each other to try, and that's how housing is so expensive. There's not enough housing. So I think uh, being part of solving that problem by accelerate the pace of construction, that's solving a huge social problem as well as uh, making construction much cheaper. Mm -hmm. Structurally, um, yeah. how durable are these? Because there's a, there's a big concern about these um, houses or townhouses that are being built and that, you know, because they're already prepared and just put together like Lego pieces, they might not be that uh, strong, you know, against like yeah. natural disasters. They're going to be stronger. Stronger. <laughs> oh yeah, we're not, we're not using drywall. Drywall is the, the most terrible product you really? can find. We're going to be using uh, MGO, magnesium sulfate boards that are seven times stronger than drywall. Wow. So every room, not like right now, the building code asks for buildings to each condo unit or each townhouse has to be separated by from the other townhouse or condo unit by a one-hour fire separation. Every room in our condos are going to be one-hour fire separated from the other rooms. Wow. So it's, it's, a, it's a completely uh, different level of quality. Right. How fast... Do you or do you think that these buildings will? Could you produce them on such a scale where we could solve this two or three million uh, dwelling uh, shortage that we have right now in Canada? Uh, that's why I'm working so hard these days. Uh, our first plant is uh, being designed with a capacity of uh, two thousand five hundred units per year, which is good but not great it's better than most builders most builders will uh, will have one or two buildings on the go at any given time mm -hmm. and that might be 150 units or 200 units so we're going to build 200 uh, 2500 wow. units a year our plant number two is going to be 20,000 units a year and uh, the market is is there there's a housing a housing shortage uh, throughout BC, throughout Canada, uh, any community in, in this area, you know, you, if you just read the paper, hear, yeah. hear the news, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a housing crisis. Uh, in the interior in Williams Lake, uh, I was there recently, they have a housing shortage of 800 units today. Uh, First Nations uh, uh, reserves have uh, a, a crisis situation as well, uh, housing shortage. Mm -hmm. So we're we're not going to be able to build them fast enough. Do could we move this into a um, 
not only a townhouse or a house uh, Lego set, but could we move this into something bigger, like a bigger building with more stories? Yeah. Is that something yeah. that... The Mastember is approved. There's a one 18-story building in uh, at UBC. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a student housing, and it's been built four years ago, and it's 18-story Mastember. Uh, our our goal, and and that's that's where I think you have to. Uh, some businesses are not able to put their desires uh, aside and. Try to achieve the the greater good. I'm an architect. I'd love to design executive homes and luxury homes, and to spend uh, months working on a, a super penthouse. But that's not going to help the housing crisis. So our our motto at Massive Canada is: uh, we're going to make Mastinber mainstream. We're going to bring Mastinber to mass markets. Mastinver to date has been used for monumental buildings, architects wanting to create a monument to themselves and, and uh, with arches and like the Olympics, uh, the uh, Richmond um, Olympic skating oval. Yeah. Uh, that's a Mastinver building. It's cost over a billion dollars and it's got these huge beams that are uh, curved uh, and, and really fancy. Our buildings are for mass markets, like, and the what the the product that the families need the most are townhouses for young families, and six-story buildings. And you see them like there's one outside the window here, six-story buildings that accommodate a um, hundred units, 125 units, uh, in in a, and that are manageable in terms of you know you don't have a huge parkade, you don't have a lobby with six elevators. You you know it's it's a nice size project. It's easy to fit in city streets, mm -hmm. and it it creates a bit of diversity as well. So that's our target market. Eventually, maybe you know when when the company is doing well, uh, I might go back to designing executive homes but right now I think yeah. what's important for our company is to participate in a solution to the housing crisis so mass timber for mass markets are there any misconceptions about the business world that you had as a teenager that has now changed yeah I had um, I, uh, maybe teenager, late teen, uh, I was uh, at Laval University. Uh, one of our teachers, one of our professors talked about um, the, uh, the corporate world being intertwined. That, uh, you know, companies, uh, like various companies would have the same directors and they were selling goods to themselves and making a profit and then selling it to another one of their company and then eventually mm. selling it to their consumers and I thought you know these intertwined uh, relationships between uh, people in business were, were just a, a terrible thing. Um, now I, I guess I, I discovered that to, to get things done, to get access to capital, building a company, building a, a plant to produce 2,500 homes a year, that's co costing a lot of money. 
you need to have those relationships you need to connect with people and it's it's not all evil out there there's a lot of people in business who are trying to do good stuff uh, trying to um, you know influence their company to adopt uh, social conscience uh, uh, CEOs that are really working hard to uh, establish gender equity within their organization and uh, really uh, I, my, my view has changed about these relationships they are important and I think CEOs have to influence each other and boards of directors are important to, uh, to, to bring humanity to the business world could you share an experience where things didn't go as planned in one of your businesses where you then faced a major setback? What were some lessons that you could learn from that setback mm. and how did you resolve it? Yeah, um, probably uh, one of our projects, um, I took uh, equity in a project, uh, partnered with someone uh, to build a, a piece of land and we set out to design a, a project, a small condo project and it, it didn't work out because we we designed it too well, couldn't raise the money uh, to, uh, to make it happen and then in the end it, it was not a disaster, we, we still sold the land but uh, you know spent um, a couple of years, a lot of effort, a lot of time uh, in a design that uh, will never be built. <laughs> so I've got uh, I've got this set of drawings. I would say on the shelf, but they're not. They're electronic drawings. But uh, uh, the um, yeah, that that's time and effort that uh, right. ended up uh, being uh, uh, not used but not wasted either because I learned some lessons and uh, that I, I'm applying today in, in uh, my business and making sure that we don't we don't shoot too high. Um, the, the limitation that we put on ourselves to only go for six stories maximum yeah. as part of our uh, our plant is equipped to only serve that need uh, is that we want to walk before we we run we want to make sure that uh, right. we make that a success and then the next plant maybe we're going to go for the high-rise buildings mm -hmm. so. teeny what advice could you give teenagers now who are trying to create a company but they don't know what the company is they don't know what to do they don't know if they should find a an, an issue and resolve it they don't know if they should hop on some trend for example uh, something with uh, drop shipping. I don't know if you've heard of it, uh, where you, you take items yeah. from China and then you, yeah. So, what advice would you give to them if they're trying to find, create something somewhere? What advice would you give to them? Yeah, well, I'll I'll use an analogy to answer that. I I would say, um, just stay focused on thinking about the idea that you want to accomplish. And, and then do things that are, uh, that are going to be helping you do things unrelated that are going to help you to, uh, to achieve that. Uh, when I, um, I did my master's in planning and I wanted to write a thesis and I decided that from the get-go I was not going to be uh, doing the, the kind of term paper route. I wanted to write a thesis. 
<laughs> so right from like the first term paper that was assigned to me, I wrote it on a topic that was related to what I wanted to uh, write my thesis on. My thesis was about the emergency preparedness in urban areas. And so I had an assignment to do some research on the uh, on on uh, urban law. So it was urban law applied to emergency preparedness. And then I did another paper on design. It was design applied to emergency preparedness. And I I focused my my immediate efforts, the the immediate task that I had on the ultimate goal, which is. And in the case of a young person, I would say you you may not have the money to start, you may not have the, the people around you to start, you may not have some, some, uh, some of the research done, uh, but you can't wait until you have all the pieces together. Just start assembling those pieces and, and build toward your goal. And as you do that, you're going to learn things that are perhaps going to influence your goal and make it slightly different, slightly better, slightly uh, more ambitious or less ambitious, but you're going to uh, you're going to advance toward that goal if you take steps today that are conscious of where you want to be even though you're not doing that thing that right. you want to achieve in right. the end. Did you have any role models growing up who helped or help, who helped to veer you in the right uh, way that you should go on life? Yeah, well, several, I guess. Uh, there's, uh, there's, there's some lessons that I've learned along the way that I can tie to very specific people. Uh, perseverance, there's, um, uh, there's a professor I had uh, in architecture who was, uh, he, he made us basically take a blank sheet and turn it into graph paper. We had to draw lines freehand across a sheet and then turn it on, on the side. And he would come and measure and say, well, this one is much bigger than a quarter inch by a quarter inch. So that's, you know, you, you goofed over there. And, and that took, uh, it took an amount of focus and perseverance that you felt like, you know, uh, crumpling the piece of paper uh, after doing half, but you had to complete it. Uh, so perseverance, things are hard. It's hard to create a business or to to do just about anything and um, anything that's worthwhile and meaningful. It's hard. Uh, and the uh, the other one is um, another uh, professor who said, uh, and this was when I was learning urban planning, and and people were searching like the question was about parking and and people would would start to you know go back and forth and 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 his lesson to us was you go you have to search for every instance of the word parking and or the word vehicle or the word uh, uh, truck and and you have to search for every instance systematically you go through the whole and you can do that on the computer you don't just hunt and peck because you're going to miss the obvious, you're going to miss the most important if you hunt, might have overlooked or or not had the perseverance to, to look for the solution deep enough. Mm -hmm. Do you, um, I, I could edit this part out, do you hire people for any of your companies or do you have someone doing that for you? No, I... Okay, okay. I, 
Are there any tips that you could suggest for teenagers like me who want to go as their first job, work for someone, and they're about to be interviewed? What tricks could you give that could not guarantee them the job, but give them a higher chance on getting the job? Yeah, I'd say relax and show enthusiasm. And those two are not contradictory. They, they can be. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're nervous, you might display your enthusiasm with nervous laughter and, and over-exuberance. But uh, I, I think uh, uh, relax, just, just, you know, it's an interview. It's a, an opportunity to meet somebody. It's an opportunity to impress somebody who may or may not employ you, but who's mm-hmm. going to talk to somebody else. It's a, an opportunity to, to really learn from that person. And if you go into an interview with the idea that I'm here to learn, you're going to listen. And uh, it, oh, it's, uh, it, 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 it's quite incredible uh, sometimes to have someone across the desk and, and uh, you ask a question and they answer something else and you feel like, was that person listening when I was talking? And uh, so I, I think it's. Um, uh, I I would give one tip as well, uh, which is uh, to ask for a working interview. So um, a good closing line in an interview is uh, to to say. You know, uh, this this was a, a one-hour conversation. I'm really happy with what you had to share with me. I learned so much from you, and uh, and I hope you 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 know you you would uh, consider my my uh, abilities. But the best way to measure if I'm good for the job would be to let me do a one-day working interview. I'll come and I'll, I'll work in your firm. Interesting. I'll meet people and uh, I'll know more about your firm. And um, you don't have to, to pay me, but I'd love to have an opportunity to demonstrate what I can do without without the setting of, uh, you know, the, uh, the interview uh, necessarily. And then, sir or ma'am, you can ask other people uh, around what they think about my aptitude to work in this company. Interesting. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of students could for sure use that, and uh, I don't I don't think a lot of companies would decline a f- uh, job done yeah. for free for a whole day. Well, I. I would hope they pay you, <laughs> and that's what we do here. That's how we hire people. So we're going to go through a panel, uh, myself and maybe Caroline, somebody else, so two or three people we interview, and then we select the person who we think, and in some cases it's going to be two people who we mm-hmm. think are going to be the best at the job, and we bring them in for a day. And then they have to interact. They they go in the kitchen and they interact with colleagues. They have to ask questions, so they have to come to you and ask questions. So you have uh, more um, more interaction. And then you can measure their productivity. You give them a task that's achievable within one day, and you realize, yeah, this is this is uh, the kind of person who's going to fit in, you know, the chemistry of the group of people mm-hmm. in terms of the work being done, in terms of the 
ability to uh, to to you know uh, to do the uh, uh, to discuss with colleagues and so on to treat people right around mm -hmm. around themselves. Right. Working interview is the best way to hire, and I think it's the best way to be hired. I see. In the United States, it's becoming <coughs> a norm to fill top company positions with people with a diverse background, and they often overlook their qualifications. In your mind, in successful companies, what should be the main priority? Yeah, there's... Uh, <clears throat> when I read the question, I, I thought... Um, there's a there's a bias in the question. There's a bias built in. That uh, one way to read this question it would be assuming that uh, women, people of color, people uh, of uh, the, the different background, <coughs> uh, are likely to have less competency than than others. Uh, is it okay to hire them? Well. I, I think that's the wrong assumption. Uh, it, um, uh, my experience has been um, in the military, uh, working in uh, in a system that uh, was definitely definitely not gender neutral. There was a, a strong bias in um, in the um, when I joined the city of Port Moody as a city manager, uh, the uh, union leader was a woman who was uh, doing a great job uh, leading the and I'm not uh, I, I'm, I'm not saying doing a great job for a woman, which is what this question says almost. Uh, so uh, she she was great. And together what we did is we uh, worked on a new job classification system. The job classification had librarians with uh, uh, master's degrees uh, who were paid less than people in the works yard doing manly man jobs uh, in, in the works yard. So we rewrote the job classification, establishing criteria that everybody agreed to. We did that in cooperation between the management and the union, which is something that often not done. Mm -hmm. But we did that together, and we ended up with uh, some some of the positions that were that had the gender bias were corrected. That uh, it took three years in some cases to give them a three raises in a row mm -hmm. to bring them to the uh, the level where they should have been paid, but the men were being paid more uh, in the works yard because they were an electrician or because they were uh, somebody working on uh, you know in in uh, outdoors in or a mechanic, and I I I think society is. Um, uh, has got to deal with those bias and in the boardroom is is more important than anywhere else and you don't you don't hire a woman to re-establish the gender balance in the boardroom you hire a woman because of competence and because of of recognizing the value that this mm -hmm. person is going to bring um, so yeah right. you I, I don't I don't see this as a controversial for me because I've I, I've done a lot in my career 
to uh, to make sure that those biases are very clearly exposed and dealt with. Mm -hmm. And that's that's I, I agree always always mm. important in any line of work. Um, yeah. Obviously, you have accomplished more, I'd say, than most people. Um, do you believe that there's a limit to what you can accomplish in life? And do you believe you, with um, six companies and two nonprofit organizations, have reached that limit, or do you, or is the bar way higher than mm. where you are now? From yeah. yeah. How high is the next mountain, right? Uh, I I think um, if you if I was to retire I I would not retire uh, retire with things undone um, so I I really uh, want to make sure that I make Massive Canada into a success uh, after that am I going to start something else Well, I I I have I have a file with with stuff I'd like to do so. Uh, it's uh, I'm not short on on goals. I'm short on time, so um, I I think when uh, 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 while while we're alive, we have to contribute. We we have to create a better world around our, ourselves, and that's that's what drives me. What is what is your next step? What is your next goal? I know you said you have a file of all the things you want to complete, but what is yeah. that one goal that is the next step in any of your businesses mm. or even in yeah. your personal life what, what what is that one step you want to take that's high? well when i when i talk about massive canada uh, i talked about two plants we the province has set in the mass timber action plan they it says that they want to establish 10 mid-size uh, mass timber plants by 2030 and I, I've, I've set uh, this artificial goal for our business to build five of those ten. So there's mm -hmm. three more plants after that. Uh, I, I think the demand is significant enough to fully justify that. Um, I, I think um, you know I'm, I'm approaching. Uh, I'm in my late 60s, so uh, uh, the limitations of of age are going to perhaps start to show up at one point, and uh, that's when I would slow down. But uh, I I'm at a stage in my life where I want to do I want to do stuff, and yeah. it's much more important for me to create these rewarding moments walking away from a building where we're building uh, a six-story uh, rental housing project in Gibsons mm -hmm. and I can't wait for the day when when there's going to be people walking into this yeah. building with with their their life's belongings to move into that building that's going to provide them with affordable housing finally mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and some of those folks um, Every time I go to Gibson's, the site where we are building this is—it's um, not an RV park. An RV park is where you go to with your recreational vehicle to spend uh, a weekend in the summer, or maybe a mm -hmm. week in the summer. This is this is a piece of land where people buy a cheap RV that's falling apart. They park it there, and that's their home. So. Um, 
we're going to transform this piece of land into 125 units of rental housing. 31 of the units are affordable rental, meaning that they're going to be subsidized rent. That's and awesome. uh, that's, you know, that, that, that's something that somebody has to put the energy to, to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, the government is building some some housing, but they're facing the same problem uh, as everybody else. It takes the government two and a half years to build a six-story building because of the way the construction mm -hmm. proceeds today. So we hope we're going to be uh, in <coughs> in on that site, and uh, that uh, some somewhere between six and eight months after the first shovel in the ground, we're going to be issuing keys to people awesome. uh, to move in. So that's that's going to be one of those hugely rewarding moments that make make life worth living. That's awesome. I like yeah. how it's all going so fast. Now, I know you have a meeting you got to get to, so I'll just yep. ask you one last question. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite book that you've read and a favorite podcast that you've listened to that you think could help other students or has helped you? Um, yeah. Um, Barack Obama's podcast is pretty uh, the not the audacity of hope, but his latest. And in his latest, he talks about the experience and how how people uh, after he was elected, uh, people in Congress and the Senate, uh, in and uh, people in business were putting obstacles in his way and and. Uh, uh, how he, he was, he, even though, you know, you think somebody in that position has got a lot of power, that he was forced to to go through extreme measures and, and working really hard to accomplish his goals. And it feels like, okay, uh, nothing is easy. Like, if this guy, and when you listen to that podcast, it's, it's really coming across... Uh, how 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 many meetings with so many people uh, that he had to go through to get one small thing accomplished and and all the the kind of considerations that went into the decision the number of options that were in front of him at different points and you feel like okay I, i'm i'm nowhere equipped with the kind of support that this guy had and uh, you know, so to accomplish something, I've got to really, you know, hustle and and work hard, and think about all kinds of options and make sure that you know not, nothing is obvious, nothing is easy. So uh, that that was a, a really good podcast. Uh, in terms of a book, hmm, uh, there's there's many. Um, lately, I've been uh, reading. Um, the um, a, a book about uh, health and living and uh, 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 and it, it's called uh, uh, Outliving yeah Outliving by Peter Adia and uh, that's a really good book yeah awesome well thank you so much for coming on hopefully some of the people listening right now could be future entrepreneurs and start a business where it solves a big world issue thank you so much for coming on it's been a pleasure all right thank you Matthew.